Hello and welcome to The Failure Effect. Today we're hanging out with Sanae Pei Tande, who, just before we started recording, was telling me how she learned how to put herself first. Now, this has something to do, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. I was waiting for that. I was just like, oh my God, what's happening here? <laughs> Thank you where you are. All right. Now, um, so you were just saying you learned to put yourself first mm -hmm. after your experience with your last gig. And I know there's a lot of publicity about that and yes. why you left. So please tell us what you left and how you came about this lesson. Um, well, reason I left was chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. And I know there were a lot of rumors about or maybe she's not being paid enough, or maybe she got a better gig. Um, mm -hmm. But the honest truth, and I'll say it again, it was chronic fatigue. I was very tired. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in production when it comes to a show, yeah. uh, and especially a daily show. Mm -hmm. um, there are certain timelines that you must meet. Yeah. And sometimes, even if you're tired, you're told, uh, but we need this episode into edit mm -hmm. because, you know, the client is waiting, et cetera, et cetera. And... I think my biggest problem or two biggest problems that I have is that I'm very accommodating mm -hmm. and I'm a stickler for rules and authority. And so when authority tells me you have to do this because we have to move forward, I end up doing it. It doesn't matter how mad I am. And I can tell you for sure, sometimes when I'd act keener, when you'd see me mad, it was genuine. Like I was really, <laughs> really upset at being oh. forced to do things even when I'm tired. Okay. Um, I don't want to use the word forced, actually. Let me take that back. Uh, sometimes it's just, well, but you know, Sana, we need to do this and we need to do that. And I'm like, okay, if I understand production properly, it means that if they say they need this episode in edit, then mm -hmm. I have to make sure that I do it, no matter how pissed off I am or how tired I am. Right. And so for me, that was from 2019 up until 2023 when I actually quit the show. Um, like I said, I'm a stickler for authority. And so when people tell me that, you know, you have to do this. Then I do it and I do it and I do it until I think it's actually God who said, you know what, if this girl will not remove herself from here, I will have to remove her. Okay. So it was actually chronic fatigue. I was very badly off um, in January. Um, and if people watch the last couple of episodes that I did, if they were avid followers of the show, they could actually tell that, hey, this mama is not okay. Right. I would deliver, but you could actually see me deteriorating on, on, on screen. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, I've done that for quite a number of jobs that I've had. Okay. I have burnout and I'm still there. I'm still there just pushing on because I understand, I understand the production side of things mm -hmm. more than I understand my body or think about my body. Okay. And so when this, when this completely shut down, I was like, uh, okay, so what's the lesson here? What, what, what am I learning? Right. Um, and then I realized that your job has to complement who you are and mm -hmm. your lifestyle. It, it, it cannot be job first and then you. Right. You will, you will, I mean, I've heard of people who've actually just collapsed and died mm -hmm. at their jobs. Wow. Is it ever that serious? Yeah. You know, but it took, me, it took me to be removed from the job by being sick. To mm -hmm. actually realize that, hey, you know, if I'm tired, I'm tired and I've got to take a break. And I've got to understand that as much as there's authority and, and timelines, you also have to think about yourself. And, and I think I mentioned this to you before. There's a cousin of mine who told me, rest before you have to. Mm -hmm. It was so profound for me when she said that because <laughs> I was like, no, but I thought people rest when they need to. Mm -hmm. But by the time you're needing to, things are really free. 
So you were unwell in hospital at some point? Um, in January, um, I remember, because we resumed Jobos like, you know, like we're, we're students in school. You know, uh -huh. January 3rd, we were back there. Oh and gosh. considering the fact that I'm also a musician, then, you know, you've got your, your acting gig and then you've got your shows over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so at this time, 2022, in December, I had a show at um, Safari Park, mm -hmm. 31st. And so there was rehearsals and all those things. And I remember after finishing the show on the 31st, on the 1st, I slept the whole day. And this was not uh -huh. fatigue from the show. This was fatigue from Kina. Yeah. Not from the performance. And I slept the whole day till about 5 p.m. Then went back to, went back home. And then I had the second, which was the only day to like really be myself. Mm -hmm. And the third, I was back on set. Right. And this is, you're talking about waking up at 4.30 in the morning. You've been doing that since 2019 oh, to be yeah, able to yeah. be at work by 6.30. Yeah. And I did the third and the fourth and the fifth. And on the fifth, um, I went back home and my mom actually told me, you're, you're actually losing weight on a daily basis. I wasn't eating. I couldn't breathe right. Like I was just tired. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, it, in, in <clears throat> December, because um, I was very close to moving to my own house um, that I'd built in, that I have built in, in Matasia. Mm -hmm. In December, I actually packed my bags. I was living in Westlands and I said, you know what? I, I cannot do this by myself because mm -hmm. I'm actually very worried about my thoughts and right. my feelings at the time. And so I packed my stuff and I went home and I stayed with my parents for that one month until I was better. Mm -hmm. So my parents were seeing me every day. Right. And my mom was like, uh, you cannot continue like this. You're not going to go to work tomorrow. It was an order. It was not even those ones of, so mommy, I think, no, mm -hmm. you're not going to work. You're going to go to hospital. And so, yes, I was... I went to hospital and I was given seven days rest. Mm -hmm. With production, you know, that doesn't make sense. You cannot take seven days off, especially as the main character. Um, but then I didn't go back because then I had to do a checkup. And after I did a checkup, then the doctors were like, we need 21 days. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. means production had to move on. Right. And so they had to find a replacement. Okay. Yeah. So that, but um, I had already handed in my resignation. For season five which is what was starting in february 2023 mm -hmm. i said i just i realized that i couldn't do it if they weren't gonna give me a break then kind of had to stop so what was it that suffered while you were doing this tough while you're on this tough uh, work schedule because i'm oh. pretty sure you had no time for anything yeah i had no time for anything everything suffered my relationships with my friends mm -hmm. i mean I have some of my really good friends who live within, you know, like in the country, but I wouldn't see them for like seven, eight months. Yeah. Because I was tired all the time. Um, you know, you're working Monday through to Saturday. Mm -hmm. If somebody even tells you, let's have lunch on Sunday, you're like, uh, this is my only day to rest because you've already seen the schedule for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And you're like, gosh, I have like 12 scenes. I have to read all these scenes and then I have to read Tuesday scenes. And you, you start to kind of like move away from people yeah so friendships suffered um my music career suffered okay um you know like the last time i released an ep was 2021 mm -hmm. and that was like 2021 june i lost creativity completely i couldn't i couldn't think of a theme an mm -hmm. idea you know just any issue to write about you'd probably find like your first verse and then after that you have no chorus you have nothing um, the one thing that didn't suffer, though, uh, is my relationship with my family. Because okay. for me, that's that's number one. It's the one thing that I don't compromise on. Mm -hmm. And so I always found time for FAMO and whatever. But friendships, dating, uh, 
your other <laughs> careers. Yeah. Nothing was working. Okay. Nothing was working. You always just wanted to sleep. You know, you couldn't go for movies. You couldn't go for lunches. You couldn't travel. You couldn't. And it's, I don't, I don't want to specifically say that it was just the Kina uh, production. Mm -hmm. I think this happens in a lot of productions. And yeah. you've seen quite a number of people who actually just resign and say, it's not complementing my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's actually making me choose. Either yeah. you want to act or you want to live. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, so many things suffered. Even my alone time. I didn't yeah. have alone time. I didn't have... I want to go for a massage today. I want mm -hmm. to, it was always, you leave Jobo, you're reading scripts, you know, yeah. among your other domestic chores that yeah. you have to do. You have to cook, you have to clean, you have to go to the market, you have to, you know, just um, have time for your family, you have to shop. Yeah, I don't so, know, you so know. many things, yeah. so many things suffered. And, but like I say, bottom line is I don't want to, to completely say that it's just the Kina production. It, mm -hmm. It's a lot of productions, especially if you're a main cast. Yeah. For a show that happens every day, mm -hmm. that it, it can be a bit difficult. Because you were carrying the weight of the show, like you're in literally every scene, which means you were there every day. I've seen a lot of my friends in the acting business yeah. have days off because they're not necessary. But you, you're holding it together. It was a lot. Like, yeah. I mean, I can tell you, even if um, on the show... Mm -hmm. You you hear that um, so Nana Tandala has gone on a trip, for yeah. example. Mm -hmm. Even if it says it's ten episodes of this of the of the season, it really doesn't translate to yeah. ten weeks. It yeah. doesn't. It could be one week, and then the next week you're back because we have to shoot ahead mm -hmm. to keep to keep ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Oh so there was God. there was really not much rest. Okay. Yeah. So when you wrote your resignation, what was your state of mind? Were you scared? Were you thinking what is in the future? Were you just focused on getting some rest and reclaiming yourself? It's rather unfortunate that I have to say that I was worried about, so what happens next for this production? Okay. Um, I was worried about even taking time. Like the first time the doctor gave me seven days, I was mm -hmm. like, you're not understanding. Yeah. Production doesn't work like this. If you give me seven days, that is... Oh my God, that's like five episodes a week. Mm -hmm. You know, we've lost so much time. So I was, yeah. I was still thinking about the production and what it's going to, how it's going to impact the people who are shooting. Mm -hmm. um, but then I was also tired. I was, I was, I was very tired when I was writing that email. I was done. Like you could not convince me to continue. Okay. If you were not going to give me a break, you could not convince me. I was mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically worn out mm -hmm. there was no convincing me to continue with season five if if you could not tell me there's there's going to be like a month of rest there was no way so okay. yeah so um, my assumption is that when you're in that state of mind you, you don't even have the space to worry about where your income is coming from you're just like you know i just need some time to chill yeah i wasn't worried about that but i yeah. mean you know I'm, I'm very i'm very grateful and i'm very thankful for you know, Famo that actually told me, you know, by the way, Sana, you need to plan yourself really early. Mm -hmm. And so the just the fact that I had built my house okay. kind of took off um, that burden of thinking, gosh, if I quit my job now, how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I? You can figure out bills, mm -hmm. you know, but rent. Yeah. Um, it, it becomes kind of difficult. So that kind of kind of helped me mm -hmm. just feel a bit more relaxed that, OK, so I'm not going to have a job. But I'm okay with rent. I mean, I'm okay with the fact that I have a house. And you've got your other careers going on. You know, you've yeah. got your music going on. All you need to do is sit in your very comfortable house yes. and write your songs <laughs> and, and, and be out there. 
Right. So you have come prepared to this um, sort of not not an jobless phase of your life, but <laughs> thank <an> you. <laughs> it's not well, fun. <laughs> no, I know, but I my assumption is that you must have had experiences before mm-hmm. that prepared you for what the the place where you are in your life right now. We're gonna get to that in a minute, mm-hmm. right? So you came prepared for this situation, and I think my question right now is. What brought you to the point where you understood if you're going through a period of mm-hmm. no income, these are the basics you need to have in place. Now, you told me when we first spoke that mm-hmm. this is because you learned how important it is to be careful what you put in your head. Mm-hmm. So this is a manifestation <laughs> thing yes. and it has an impact on where you are right now. So tell us what happened. Um, well, the first time I actually came into realization of what manifestation can do yeah. uh, was when I was working at Nation. Uh-huh. Um, so here we are. This is 2013. I resigned from my job at KISS in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I survived, by the way. Okay. Um, so here we are, 2013, got a job, did the drive show with, uh, with Quatch. Yeah. And then I, I, uh, I experienced the first batch of people being fired. Right. And then I was taken to mid-morning. I was supposed to be sitting in for Sheila Mwanyega. And then, you know, when she came back, mm-hmm. clients were like, uh, you know, we, we kind of like having Sanaipe on the show. Of course, mm-hmm. this was not public knowledge. It was something that I was told later. Yeah. And they were like, we'd like to continue with, with the mid-morning show. And we continued. But in that time, I felt there was, we were very directionless mm-hmm. uh, at Nation. I can't sit here and tell you whose fault it was okay. because uh, I think I've explained this before that you give me a job, I do my job. I'm not concerned about who owns the company, who mm-hmm. has done what kind of dealings or whatever. At the end of the day, I come, I do my job, I go home. Yeah. Which is probably not a good thing. I've been told that. Okay. <laughs> I keep being told that, you know, you must know who has started the business. You must know who has, um, has made a, a wrong kind of deal with somebody that's going to cost you your job. Mm-hmm. But for me, at the end of the day, I come, I do my job, I go home. Mm-hmm. That, the rest of that stuff doesn't, doesn't concern me. Right. Um, so I realized that we had no direction at Nation uh, with regards to the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I mentioned this before. One minute you're playing Cinema Cosa by Cool James. Yeah. And then the other minute you're pay- playing Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. These girls ain't loyal. And you're like, okay, wait, wait, wait. What is the identity <laughs> Of this station. Yeah. What is the identity of this particular show? Mm-hmm. So one minute we have the breakfast show sounding like a BBC kind of, you know, conversation where you have politicians coming in and it's serious issues. And then you've got the mid-morning show that's Sanaipe and Obina and we're half the time laughing. Right. At very mediocre, ridiculous things. And then you've got the drive show that tries to address certain issues that are going on in the country. They touch on a little bit of breakfast Mm -hmm. and then they have their banter like Mm mid-morning. And then you've got the night show that just does completely the opposite. Right. And then the music wasn't making sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who are we catering to? Are Mm -hmm. we catering to young adults or the Wazes or uh, what were you, 19, 18? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. You know, so at that time... I was already tired. Mm-hmm. I was really tired because I had no idea what we are even supposed to talk about. Like, if you come to work and you're prepping, what are we prepping for? Yeah. Like, what kind of conversation can we have mm-hmm. that works for our show but still touches on what breakfast did? Mm-hmm. And 
the whole idea of the station. So I was tired already. Um, other than the fact that, yes, this might sound very trivial, but I was so tired of driving into Tao. I was so tired. <laughs> oh my God. I was. <laughs> I mean, there's no parking. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, if you're starting your show at 10, yeah. by the time you get to town, parking is done. Yes. And I remember we used to park near the mosque and, mm -hmm. and you'd have to give your car keys. To a chokora. To a chokora. Yeah. And you don't know. You might come out and your car is gone. Yeah. You know, so you just had to have that trust because, okay, so maybe we didn't have this policy at Nation where um, you had to come an hour before your show. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're parking your car at like quarter to 10. Whoa. And there's only the news. And then one, two songs, and you have to start talking. So mm -hmm. you're thinking, just give the keys. If you come out and there's no car, that's okay. Yeah. So there are so many things um, that contributed to that lack of being satisfied with what you were doing. Uh, and then, so I lived, I lived on Raptor Road at the time. Uh -huh. And sometimes I'd sit on the balcony at like six o'clock having my tea. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why can't I have this life? Yeah. You know, this life where I just wake up and I'm in my robe and I'm reading the newspaper. Okay, that's a lie. Maybe watching a movie <laughs> and having your cup of tea. Right. And, and just being relaxed about things. And so I thought about that so much and for so long that by the time we were being let go of our jobs, I wasn't really bothered. I, it didn't feel like, um, oh my God, what am I going to do with my life? Because I knew at the back of my mind, I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. I wanted to leave. But this is one of the situations where you stick to a job because it pays the bills, y'all. True. You know, and, and it's unfortunate. If they're not concerned with the direction we're headed, mm -hmm. why should I be? Yeah. It's not my company. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing my job and I'm doing it to the best of my ability, at least that, that capacity that you've been given. And at the end of the day, I get my paycheck. Right. And so, you know, so I thought about it for a very long time. And then guess what? It came true. I sat on that balcony for a year, a whole year from 2015 August wow. up until 2016 uh, November. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I read, you know, there's so many stories. Sometimes people just write their own things. And I read, I read one story that said, um, so it was reported that I cried at my desk. Ah. First of all, where you were, I didn't have a desk, okay? <laughs> my only desk was the microphone. Yeah. And, you know, your levels and whatever. And I remember that day. Um, so I had, I had taken leave for a week mm -hmm. in August, excuse me, in August uh, 2015. And then I came back August 31st, which was a Monday. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I check in and guys are biting their nails. People are concerned. They are worried. They're having conversations by themselves. Look in the corner. And I'm like, Kuni, what's wrong? And they're like, wait, Sana Kuni, you don't know we're being fired. And I'm like, and so? Are we going to die? It's a job. We can get another one. We're good at what we do. Mm -hmm. But in retrospect, I understand that other people had bigger responsibilities than I did. Yeah. People had kids. People had school fees to pay. People had, uh, you know, their wives to take care of, or their husbands to take care of, families mm -hmm. to take care of. This is the African society. You don't just earn money for yourself. Yes. You've got, you know, your ngaguya and your shosho somewhere. You know, you have relatives to send money to. Um, so I do feel bad because I reacted the way that I did. I was like, we're not going to die. Yeah. But then for me, it was just me. Yeah. It was me and my rent and my bills. Um, but yes, I didn't, I didn't cry. Okay? okay. I got to work. I did my show. I got a message, uh, from the GM and he said, can you come and see me at one, at, when you're done with your show? And I'm like, 
just out of being spiteful. Right. I was like, because you think I don't have other things to do. You're telling me at one, I come see you at two because you don't think I have places to be. Anyway, eventually mm-hmm. I did go. And um, and it was it was the GM and the HR manager and we had the finance director there. And it was, here's your letter. Here's your check. Hey. Don't come tomorrow. Yani, the job was over that day, that day. What, were you expected to go back to your desk and continue or to your station? No, so they, they asked me, like, after I finished after my show, show, come okay. and see us. Okay. So I said, okay. And as I was walking out, they actually had the audacity to tell me, <laughs> you know, your, your show, the mid-morning show was uh, the highest selling show. So why? Yeah, I'm like, you're kidding. You really want to tell me this now? Yeah. I'm not a salesperson. It's not my job to translate my ratings into money, mm-hmm. you know, but... That happened, and I went into my car. Luckily, the chokora didn't take it. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, okay, they're not chokoras, maskini. They're just the vijanas who are trying yes. to, to, to make some money. Yeah. And reversed my car, and uh, I went to Vineyard. Okay. And? And I sat there and had my shots with, uh, you know, some friends. Okay. Till about 8 p.m., and I went home. Mm-hmm. I wasn't devastated. I wasn't, okay. I wasn't particularly upset. Yeah. The next year kind of taught me that I should have been upset mm-hmm. okay. because it was a tough time. Um, when I was working at Nation, I'd stopped doing karaoke. Mm-hmm. So I, I ended up having to go back uh, into hosting karaoke, which is, a, which is a fun job, but it's very tiring. Mm-hmm. It's very tiring to be in a lounge or a bar or a restaurant three days in a week. Yeah, You know how it is. You have to sort of indulge with your, with your clientele. And it can take a toll, especially mm-hmm. if you have a day job and a night job and a day job and a night job. Um, so I went back into that. It was very difficult. Sometimes you'd go and, you know, do karaoke at a club. Nobody shows up, mm-hmm. depending on where the club is. Sometimes you have, uh, you know, the bartender telling you, Mdosia kwacha pesa leo. So you leave empty-handed. Yeah. And sometimes you probably sat at the bar and you're just thinking, but I'm being paid today. So I can have her, I can have her, I can have mm-hmm. her. And then you realize you're leaving empty-handed. Oh, wow. So it was pretty tough. Uh, I did karaoke at clubs that I never imagined I would. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't quite work with my brand. Yeah. Mm, but I did what I had to do. And mm-hmm. then 2016, I just packed my bags and I went back home. Okay. So when you say you found yourself doing things that you that you didn't need to do and that it diluted your brand, please, please explain a little bit. How was this damaging for your brand? Um, I can give you an example. Um. As an artist, as a musician, mm-hmm. the one thing you need to create or one of the many things is desirability. People have to long to see you. They have yeah. to want to see you. They have to pay to see you. If you are in places regularly, mm-hmm. then they're like, I, why are you also going to see Sanaipe perform when you can see her on Tuesday at this club and Wednesday at this club? And in fact, when you see her at the club, you have more personal contact True. than you would when she's on stage. Mm-hmm. So that kind of just... It took it down because people are asking, why would I have her here? Mm-hmm. People can see her anywhere. Mm-hmm. So that desirability kind of dissipated. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, you've had other lessons in terms of career, mm-hmm. yeah, which is what I'd like to come into now. Because um, not only have you spoken about um, 
being able to hold on to your brand. But right now, as a creative entrepreneur, mm-hmm. yeah, what are some of the other things that you're learning? You know, for example, we see a lot of people cloud chasing these days. Mm. Is this something that you would do? Are we cloud about to chasing. see Sunepe break it, up with some random stranger? No, <laughs> Jesus, no. Okay. Okay. Um, cloud chasing has never been my thing. Okay. I will attribute that to my personality. Mm-hmm. I am not very comfortable with being talked about too much. Um, so I shy away from, from doing anything that might get me in conversation a little too much. Secondly would be my upbringing. We, uh, you know, um, as much as I was taught to be a confident and outspoken person, you also don't want to throw yourself in the forefront of things where now everyone is focusing on you. I don't mm-hmm. like focus. I think it's one of the reasons why I can't MC. Right. I cannot. Okay. Because the minute you start paying attention, I panic and I just shut down. Um, I remember when I first came out in, 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 uh, in the group SEMA. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention the artist's name. Okay. But this particular artist, who's very big now, had asked for us to have like a whole publicity stunt thing where mm-hmm. we are busted at... Uh, I think it was a Kenchik or a McFry somewhere in Tao, uh-huh. Kenyatta Avenue, and had even said, um, if you're called by Pulse. <laughs> Touche, <laughs> I see you're what you did by there. Pulse, you can say no comment. <laughs> right. And then for me, I can just say, oh, you know, she's just a friend, you know, just to get the conversation going. And I yeah. remember from that time, I must have been like 22. Uh-huh. I was like, absolutely not. Okay. It's a lie. Why am I lying about things that are not? They're not happening. You know, if there's something happening, let it be happening. Mm-hmm. So for a very long time, I've always lived my truth. And which is why I find publicity stunts, we call them kiki, yeah. a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I will not be able to sleep at night. Yeah. I lied about having a relationship with somebody or... Uh, you know, being in the Maldives, I wasn't there. Yeah. You know, so it, it doesn't go down well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you find that I, I don't do it. I, I live my truth every day. Mm-hmm. Um, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. Um, I will never, okay, they say not to say never, but I can be very confident enough to say never. Mm-hmm. I'll never choose a publicity stunt to get ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right. If my music doesn't work for you, doesn't work for you. If mm-hmm. my movies don't work for you, they don't work for you. I'm not, I don't seek validation. A lot of people seek validation. Yeah. And unfortunately, it works for them. Yeah, yeah. Publicity stunts actually work for people today because, and this is very sad to find that corporates, some corporates would engage um, people simply because they have visibility by virtue of the fact that they've done publicity stunts. Yeah. Where's the substance? Mm-hmm. You know, True. where, where is the, where's the decency? Where's the respect? Where's the professionalism? It's, it's lost mm-hmm. because everyone today just wants, how can I get my, my brand out there? How can I get my product out there? I'm going to mm-hmm. use this person. They don't care about what they've done or who they've insulted or how they've disrespected themselves and other people in the public. It's just about visibility, and that's a very sad place to be. This is and, true. And, and, and sometimes I look back and I say, hey, maybe that's why I'm not as big as I should be. Because I follow... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see your face. I see your face. Thank you. <laughs> I have a yardstick of my own. Okay. People have yardsticks of their own for me. Mm-hmm. And there are people who believe and feel that 
uh, Sanaipe has is at the top of her game. Mm-hmm. But I'm very honest with myself. I know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And I know what it takes to actually get there. Okay. Um, and then society also knows what I need to do to get there. But okay. then I wouldn't do that. Um, so I know that there are, that there's a certain level that I haven't reached. Mm-hmm. and But I will not clout chase okay. to get there. Okay. That's cool. I do need to work harder though. Okay, which, by the way, you, you actually have started doing in the recent past. You've amped up your social media activity. I have tried. Okay. Why, why is that? What is inspiring you to do that? Social media is a very, it's a very tricky thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I mentioned, visibility. It doesn't matter what you do on social media. As long as you have visibility, then people come to you. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't just do anything. So I have a really hard time keeping up or being consistent with social media because I'm like, okay, so I'm posting today. What am I posting? Mm-hmm. What am I telling people? How am I educating people? Um, uh, I, I remember when I was working with Obina in, 2015, in 20, 2013, well, 2015, 2014 is when we got together on the mid-morning show. And I hadn't joined Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I remember him telling me, oh my God, you're not on Instagram. What are you doing with your life as a celebrity? And I'm like, but what? what is Instagram about? Mm-hmm. I just see people posting pretty pictures and they get likes and then they get a following and then they're big. Where's the substance? And then, yeah, and then what after that? What after that? What are yeah. you feeding people? How are you helping? How are you sorting out people's problems? How are you educating? Mm-hmm. And, and so I have, I have a really difficult relationship with, with social media because I'm like, by the time I'm writing something, it has to help somebody. Right. Or it has to address an issue. Um, so sometimes you'd find I'll post like a picture today, tomorrow, the day after. And sometimes I even like refrain from just having any captions because I'm like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. But because show business and being a celebrity calls for you remain relevant on social media, then I post. Mm-hmm. But I don't write anything because there's nothing to write. Right. Um, so I have, I, have, I have that love-hate relationship right now. Sometimes you'll find me posting. Like I haven't posted. Wow. I haven't posted since I think June the thirteenth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it's what are we posting? Right. Yeah. I have no new music. I have no show that I'm doing, which is what I share publicly. Okay. Anything else for me is my private life. I don't share my private life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know sometimes I have I have fans who ask me, "Kwani una marafiki?" You know, like "Kwani you can't post pictures with your friends," but the people I'm friends with. Mm-hmm are not people who are big on social media. They don't particularly appreciate taking pictures of us having lunch or taking pictures of us uh, on a trip. Mm-hmm. They like their private life. And yeah. so, yes, I have friends. <laughs> they just, <laughs> they're just not into that kind of life. Right. So it's a, it's, a, it's a catch-22 for me because I'm in a business that ex- expects me to be showy and be out there. Mm-hmm. But then as a personality and or with my personality and with the kind of friends that I have and the people I surround myself with, it kind of draws me back. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. It's very confusing. Yeah, mm. I know. Well, being familiar with some of your friends, I can guarantee, yes, she does have friends. <laughs> um, now, let's go back a little bit um, into the beginning of your radio career before we go into your beginning um, in the music business. Okay. And you started out at Kiss FM. 
Capital. Or Capital FM. Mm -hmm. So what was the onboarding and the radio journey like? Because I know there's a lot of people out there who would probably consider becoming, you know, a journalist mm -hmm. and or, you know, a radio anchor and are scared. Like, what does it look like? What's the onboarding? What training do you need? What Man. skills? Radio has changed so much. Like, okay. I, I don't even think I'd go back to radio now. If uh -huh. I was going to, then I would probably just have my show of my own okay. on my YouTube. Um, so first of all, music obviously came before, before radio. Mm -hmm. But then because of Sema breaking up after six months of being in the industry and releasing the album. Was it just six months? Mm -hmm. My gosh, it felt like it was about two years. We did yeah. a lot. Okay. A lot of music <laughs> were all over the place. And I think it was also the first pop group that was yeah. out there really being pushed by homeboys mm -hmm. um i must say they did a really good job there and also the platform coca-cola pop stars that yes. was really big yeah um so we did what we won in march and by september you know we were done eh, okay pa pack that one we'll come to it we Just will <laughs> <laughs> so uh by the uh -huh. time we were done yeah i think because i was so used to you know when you're in a group you share responsibilities yeah like you have discussions about what are we going to wear? Okay, so you have that white t-shirt, you have the black jeans or whatever. Um, what do you think about this verse? Do you think we should make it more Swahili? There's more consultation. There's people you can talk to yeah. and, and, and discuss the way forward. So when Sema broke up, I found myself stranded. Uh -huh. I've never written a song by myself. I've never performed by myself. I am... Um, I don't make these decisions by myself going for an interview. You know, when it's an interview, it's spread out. So Kevin tell us this and Pam tell us this and Sanaipe tell us this. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a very stuck moment for me. Mm -hmm. um, so then what happened is when I stopped now doing the music, um, oh, Chris Kirubi, God rest his soul. Uh -huh. I went for an interview, still being Sanaipe because yeah. it was still hot and fresh then. And um, I did an interview for QZ magazine yes yes yeah oh, you do remember this yes okay and um <laughs> as i was doing the interview uh the late kirubi comes into the studio and he says see me after your interview <laughs> oh, i was I like remember this well, first of all let me just say i'd already met um kirubi at uh at pop stars the mm -hmm. unveiling of pop stars at village market yes and you know he stood on the chairs with us taking pictures i was like what's happening with this guy <laughs> Um, so I was already familiar with him. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he came into the studio and he said, see me after your interview. And I was just like, oh my God. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to sneak out okay. of, of, of Capitol. <laughs> and he saw me from the boardroom and he's like, come here. He didn't even call my name. He just said, come here. So I go into the boardroom and we sit with him and he calls Yves Souza immediately. Right. And he says, I want you to train this girl. Like, train me in what? We haven't, do you know, he did not even discuss with me what he wants me to do. Oh my God. He just said, I want you to train this girl. Mm -hmm. And um, so if D'Souza eventually came in and we had a meeting and he was like, it's not homework, put her there. Okay. And that's how I started radio. Wow. It was nowhere in my radar. Okay, but I have questions. I have so many questions <laughs> because, <laughs> shoot, I know how difficult it is to sit in front of a microphone. This is my first time doing this yeah. and I am intimidated every day. How do you handle it? You're young, you're inexperienced. Radio is big. Capital FM is the biggest station in the country at mm -hmm. that point in time. Yeah. What, how are you? How did you handle it? <laughs> Stickler for rules and authority. Okay. Authority mm -hmm. said... I did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. 
I think I was too young at the time to say, no, 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 no. You know, like now yeah. you're more vocal. You're older. You understand what you can and cannot do. Yeah. So you'd be able to say, I, I, I don't think that's something I'm, I'm interested in doing. Mm -hmm. But at the time, the way he, he threw it in my face, yeah. I was like, okay, we might as well. And we started and we did Hits Not Homework with Yves D'Souza and Solo. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to do an hour with them, okay. chit chat. And I think that's where I got more of my experience to deal with relationship issues. Right. Um, I keep saying every day, if you haven't walked the mile, mm, yeah, don't talk about it because mm -hmm. you can't sit here and talk about marriage when you've not been married. You mm -hmm. don't know the dynamics of that thing. Yeah. From outside, yes, but from inside, you can't really, you can't really say. Um, so we used to do seventy-eight, and then after that, I'd leave and go home. So ideally, they were supposed to train me as an intern. Uh, they did, but it didn't quite work out. Mm -hmm. uh, I keep saying this all the time. I was told that I don't have the capital accent. Oh. Roy, yeah. So you have to speak English like you've been in the UK. And okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop. Anyway, so I mean, that's how I lost out on, on, on capital. Okay. And then uh, a couple of weeks after that, Shafi called me. Mm -hmm. And he's like, wait, you know, Shafi... <laughs> Shafi is really that guy. There was there were no pleasantries, no nothing. Yeah. It was like, wait, you still want to do radio? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. Aya, so you come, you do keeping it Kenyan. <sighs> My guy. Like, you're not even telling me like when does keeping it Kenyan happen? What yeah. time is it? It's like you just come, we'll do it. So it was at the time it was uh, Shafi and Roy Karuhise mm -hmm. who were doing uh, keeping it Kenyan on Saturdays. And so that's where I started. Okay. And um, and then they put me on, like I would learn with Caroline in the morning. Caroline Motoko. Okay. Caroline Motoko, she taught me how to do live. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can, even, I can see it now. Like she used to use both her hands, this mouse and this mouse. And I'm like, how is she coordinating all this stuff? Like doing separate things. She's right? clicking on this. She's editing a call. She's talking on the microphone. She's skipping songs or playing. So, and I'm like... Wow. How am I supposed to learn all this without yeah. any journalism kind of background or whatever? Anyway, so she's like, don't worry, you'll get the hang of it. So I would do, I'd be taught live with Caroline from 9 to 10. Mm -hmm. And then Angela and Gwenya would come in 10 to 1, I think, at the time, because Debbie Asila was doing 1 to 4. Mm -hmm. And she would teach me, teach me how to like pre-record and uh, record your calls or record a link. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember one time I got to work really late. Because I hadn't moved out, so I was still living in Matasia. Uh -huh. And Caroline was like, if you can't be here at nine o'clock, don't come at all. Ooh. Where? <laughs> I was like, this mama does not know what I've been through to actually <laughs> get here. I don't have a car. Yeah. I live so far. And I used to use, I'd take a, a 126 to Ngong, mm -hmm. then take a 111 to, um, to Dagoretti. Then walking Ara Road down the down the down dip, King Ara Road up and the up, hill. I can't even do that properly in a cup. Let me. Well, ask I mean, something. I can't do it now. <laughs> I can't do it now. So like, but I mean, it, it used to take so much to get to work. Yeah, and 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 I was like, why is she not understanding where I'm coming from? I'm a young girl. I still live at home, but she also did say, leave early. Okay, that's really it. Yeah, if you know it takes this amount of time to get to your place of work. Live an hour early or yeah. live two hours early. You'd rather come and spend the extra time here mm -hmm. than to be spending it on the road. And then you come and tell me, oh, you know, traffic. She's like, no, there's no excuse. Yeah. And I love it. I, I you know, when, you, when you're young, then you're just thinking, okay, this mama is so unfair. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it now, she actually taught me a very, very valuable lesson. Yes. You'd rather be there earlier than yeah. the time you're expected. Yeah. Then you can relax. You don't have to rush into anything. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, so did KISS uh, internship. <laughs> and then uh, one time, because I used to type out everything while you were, I'm not even going to lie to you. I used to type out KISS 100 Nairobi's number one hit music station. So I paid my own name. You still? Because I was like, <laughs> I might forget my name. So I used yeah. to type out everything. Mariah Carey coming up. And I used to do my prep. What has Mariah done? What has Michael Jackson done? And so this one day I decide I'm just going to go raw. Okay. The link is there. Go. Uh-huh. And I completely lost my train of thought. I lost it. I lost it. I didn't even know what the hell I was talking about. And then I said the F word. Oh. Yes. And then I played the next song. And the first person who called me was Eve D'Souza. And she said, Mama, what did you just say <laughs> on air? You know? Oh, my word. Uh, but then after that, because I was like, I was so sure I was fired. Okay. I was so sure I was fired. And then uh, Caroline asked to see me after the show. And I was like, Bas, that's it. Mm-hmm. And I go into her office. At that time, she was still on the third floor with us. Our office was in the corner. And she said, I, I, I took a risk on you, Sana. You know how she talks. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, you've proven me right. So congratulations. And she got me a bag. Um, she'd gotten me some J-Lo shades and a Burberry scarf. And Nini. Wow. It was very, um, it was nearing Christmas. So yeah. she gave me the gift. And I was ecstatic. I was like, my God, I have mm-hmm. been accepted into Kiss 100. This is big. Yeah. So that was radio, did that for five years. Uh, I started off as um, Keeping It Kenyan, and then I went into entertainment news for KISS, and then eventually for XFM, Mm -hmm. and then I got into mid-morning. So it would be Caroline Motoko, then myself, after Angela left, and then into Shafi and Kaleche. Mm -hmm. Mm, And then sometimes I would have to stand in, Okay. Or like if Kaleche would would have would have gone on leave, I'd have to sit him in the Shafi. And you know, Shafi has no breaks. Eh? <laughs> like him, he just he talks off the bat. I think we all know this. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, this is this is your show. Yeah. You automatically know four to five, I do this, five to six, I do this. The same mm-hmm. way I would know 10 to 11, I do this and that and that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think about it. So I used to tell him, give me a moment, let me type, let me type. And but Kaleche had this very nice template of um, of the different hours of the show mm-hmm. and she would send it to me and she would edit it and say, so this is what we do in this hour. And so that really helped. Okay. Um, so did that for, um, I joined them 20, cause I did, I did about five to six years yeah. at, uh, at KISS. Mm-hmm. And in 2012, March 22nd, which was actually my birthday, I said, I'm done. Okay. And I resigned and that was that. I mean, it was more, uh, you know, I spend so much time here. Yeah. I do Monday to Friday, 10 to 3, 10 to 3. And the policy at uh, Radio Africa is you have to get to work an hour before to do your prep. Mm-hmm. And so that means 9 o'clock to 3. Yeah. Yani basically, you, you can wake up, you can shower, have your breakfast, go for a meeting, go for a meeting, go for a meeting, have your lunch. Mm-hmm. Sana is still there. Kiss 100, now I'm number one music station. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, so it took a toll. Uh, and then into Saturday or Sunday, I'd do a show as well. hmm the money wasn't making sense for me. Yeah. I spent three quarters of my day here. This money is not helping me live my life. So I quit. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I remember being asked, um, you know, if you quit this this job, then you lose all the perks. And I'm like, but you know, I was Sanai Petanda before I came here. Right. You hired me because I am who I am. So yeah. 
I'm not going to lose any packs. And I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, being that I worked with you for a little bit at Radio Africa, you know, I mean, it was pretty sad. I think I'd already left by that time, though, mm. although it was really sad not to hear you on radio anymore. But it was nice when you hopped on over to Nation and we could hear you again. Yes, you know? indeed. Now, um, let's talk about something that I'm very curious about, which is your experience with contractual relationships, friendships. Mm specifically your experience with Sema, because there's a reason why you only lasted six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did it start and how did it end? You know, the unfortunate thing mm -hmm. is we were not very familiar okay. with contracts at the time and what they meant and what clauses meant. It was we won a competition Homeboys are going to take over as our managers. And that was that. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was a contract. I have no recollection of what it said. Mm -hmm. I just know that if we did gigs, there would be a percentage that would go to the managers and there would be a percentage that goes to Sema. Right. It's rather unfortunate to say that I had no idea what the percentage was supposed to be like. Yeah, uh, and what gigs we were paid for, what gigs we were not paid for. We could have been told these guys haven't paid for your gig and maybe they had. I, I don't know. We were very young into a very new industry and I think just enjoying the moment without really thinking about what the business stands for. So we're talking about you, Pam, and Kevin. Pam and Kevin, and yes. had you met, were you friends before, you know, Coca-Cola Popstars? Or were you just sort of put together? Put together. Okay. Like, absolutely no idea who this person is, where they come from, how they were brought up, nothing. Mm -hmm. It was, come on, a, come on audition, and we're looking for a group. Okay. So there are people who came and auditioned as groups, mm -hmm. hoping that they would all go through. Yeah. But then the judges were very individualistic in terms of how they were judging. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, so eventually we all won and were put together. Okay. I had never met Pam. I'd never met Kevin. Zero. Like, zero, zero understanding of who they were. And I think even uh, when we were auditioning in Mombasa, because we did the auditions here in Nairobi and then were shortlisted. Yeah. And then we had a top, uh, top 15 Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania. Even then, I cannot tell you that we interacted. Okay. Mm. So you're not friends. You're young. We're talking, you're what, 19, 18 at that time? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you're having to deal with contracts that you probably don't even, I mean, there's a lot of 30, 40-year-olds who don't know what a good or bad contract looks that's like. True. So at that age, yeah. I mean, that's a lot that you're going through. It is. It is. And uh, I think also it was new for our parents. Yeah. Um, we also come from a generation uh whose parents are very trusting. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 first of all, are being brought into this media world and they don't know how things work in the media. And they are hoping and praying that these people who've taken charge of their children mm -hmm. are honest people, people mm -hmm. who are going to be very open and transparent about the things that they are told in the contract at ATCTC. So I, I wouldn't like to fault our parents in not being that conversant with the with the contract if there was one please let okay. me just be honest because i also don't know okay um and 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 you know just being at the forefront of understanding what does this mean mm -hmm. you know okay so they are going here how much are they making da, 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 da. we also had um, our parents were not fussy people okay they they um they took it in stride mm -hmm. my child has won this competition Homeboys are the managers, and I'm sure they'll take good care of them. They were mm -hmm. not very intrusive, like, Ati, 
how much are they making and yeah. where are they going to go and where are they sleeping and whatever, whatever. I mean, they mm-hmm. were concerned as parents, but they, they didn't get too involved, which is understandable. See, today, if you're a parent yes. and your child at ECG <laughs> has won a competition in Chicago, you're just like, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Me. I mm-hmm. will be there sleeping in the same room with my child. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was kind of different. Okay. Um, I think the only time that they really, they really got involved is mm-hmm. when now the group was splitting up. Six months later. Six months later, and okay. we had this um, air quotes bishop, somebody. I don't know whether you remember that time. Pulse did a whole double spread on him. Right. Um, you know, bishop from the Netherlands who had come <laughs> to rehabilitate prostitutes. I remember that, yes. You remember? Yes. And he had a church at 680. <laughs> yes. And he would have all these artists go and perform there. And we did. We did perform then. was paying really good money. Mm-hmm. At least from what we were told. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he eventually wanted the group. Mm-hmm. He wanted Sema. And was trying to get us to go to the Netherlands. Uh, but he was, you know, breaking the relationship between us and our managers. And he actually did. I remember him telling me, contracts are there to be bought. Right. Um, like, you don't know me. Me. And rules. I can never. <laughs> if uh-huh. my managers are homeboys and they've not given me the go ahead, I am not mm-hmm. going to do anything with you. So I think that was the one time that our parents stepped in because they were like, what's happening? The whole, well, not the whole point, but the point of this job, excuse me, is for these children to, to prosper and earn a living mm-hmm. through their music and through their art. So when somebody is offering them that, why are you refusing? And I'm not yeah. saying this was the, the general consensus. Mm-hmm. It was certain parents felt that there's nothing wrong with this guy mm-hmm. um, coming in to take the group. So, of course, me and my folks were just like, you guys have joked. Mm-hmm. Us guys are okay, we're fine, we're not moving. Yeah. And so, you know, he took, uh, he took the group to the Netherlands, Pam and Kevin. I refused to go. I was okay. just like, if Homeboys is not on board, my parents are not on board, there's no way I'm going to go at here. I'm an individual, I'm a responsible adult or whatever. So, I didn't right. go for the trip. Okay. And so, that was a time that I felt our parents actually came into play. Mm-hmm. We were called for a meeting like we're in high school. I swear. <laughs> You know, you're thinking you're done with high school. You're an adult <laughs> now. Nene, nene, nene. Where? We were put in a boardroom with like in a microba. Oh. We were, I, mean, I was just looking down like this. I was just like, Kai, how do I explain some of these things to my, my parents? And this is as a consequence of going on the trip because yes. they felt like it was a contractual violation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can tell you from then, mm-hmm. then I understood that uh, contracts have meaning. Okay. They're there. Yeah. And you must really, really fully understand every single clause because it's law and law has loopholes. Yes. If you don't see them, you're in trouble. So mm-hmm. consult a lawyer at every point of your life. If you're given a contract, it doesn't matter. It's one page. It's 17 pages. Consult. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what happened in that boardroom? Huh? Wait. <laughs> Me, half the time I was looking down, first of all. <laughs> But uh, people raised their voices. They said how they have rights. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about making money. If this guy's offering us more money, why not? Mm-hmm. And that was it. And <laughs> I remember somebody's parent, I'm not going to say whose parent, actually walked to my dad. Because I had a conversation with my dad before we went for this meeting. And I explained everything to him, mm-hmm. including relationships that should not have been or that were. Okay. Um, and that he shouldn't think that I'm being favored or whatever. I'm okay. not even going to get into the detail of that. But um, <laughs> Wait, but just, just one question regarding that. Being favored by the homeboys, not by the, mm. not by the pastor. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I did have this conversation with my dad before we left for the meeting. I gave okay. him 
everything. Okay. Uh, so by the time we got there, he was already in the clear of knowing what's happening. Okay. So guys vibed, guys vibed, guys vibed. People apparently had documents saying this money apparently was paid and we've not been paid. Me at Asikoko, see Jui, you know, and I think that was very ignorant of me, but I was young and I was trusting and can't catch me like that today. Okay. Um, and so we finished and one of the parents walked up to my dad and asked, Mr. Tande, you didn't say anything in the meeting. He's like, no, because when my daughter have discussed, we're in the clear. Okay. Us guys are good. And everything that I've had in the meeting, she has yeah. told me. So okay. That's fine. Yeah. All right. And that was the end of that. That was the end of that. And Sema broke. Okay. Hmm? Then you went on to um, establish a solo career. Do you know if Pam and Kevin went, to, did they continue as Sema? Did they pursue individual careers? I mean, obviously they couldn't have continued as Sema because I think that was all under under Homeboys. Even yeah. the name that we we came up with was, what do you say, copywritten or okay. whatever. Yeah. Um, but I know Pam went on to do quite a number of solo songs. Yes. She's a very soulful person. Uh, and I think you you can see that in the album when you listen to Mwewe. Mm-hmm. The songs that Pam wrote are very soulful. The songs that I wrote are very Swahili-like. And mm-hmm. Kevin is just your neo-soul kind of guy. All right. Um, so she went on to do a couple of songs. Kevin, I'm not so sure. Okay. I don't think he released anything of his own. Mm-hmm. And then that was that. Okay. Well, it's very sad because that was such a promising group and we we're all so proud of you when you first came out, you know. It was. It yeah. was a good it was a good group and I think we were ahead of our time in terms yeah. of how we were writing, mm-hmm. how we were performing. Um but I can't sit here and say I have regrets. Okay. I, I can't yeah. you know, I look at, you know, the direction that my career took and the things that I've managed to do, the songs that I've managed to release being my own boss, yeah, you know, not having to consult with anyone. And I think I kind of prefer it that way. Okay. Yeah. So now when you look at a contract, I mean, I assume the fact that you learned how important a contract is during that period. Yes. Have there been times when you've nearly been bamboozled or have you always learned to be always careful about scrutinizing each piece of paper that you have to sign? I'm very careful. Okay. Extremely careful. I now have a lawyer. I can consult. Mm-hmm. My other lawyer is my dad, who's not a lawyer. Okay. But, you know, um, because he has an understanding of these things. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I usually take two copies. Okay. And I give him one and I give my lawyer one. Mm-hmm. And they go through it. Like I remember um, the time that I was supposed to go back to Radio Africa. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite happy with the contract. And mm-hmm. this time I was still living at home. I'd moved back. And I remember waking up really early and my dad's light was on at like five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then he came out with the contract and he said, so I've read this. He was reading in yeah. the morning and he said, I cannot tell you what to do. You're a grown up. These are your decisions. But I don't agree with this clause and this clause and this clause because this will lock you and this will do this and this will do that. Which is something you need. You, you, you As an individual, you can't fully understand everything. There are certain... Um, you know, black areas that somebody might be able to notice that you don't see. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important to consult. So I get that from my dad and I get that from my lawyer. So I'm very careful with anything that I sign, unless it's very straightforward, you know. Right. We want you to come host karaoke here. Mm-hmm. This is what we're paying you. Da, 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 you should be here at this time at this time. Very straightforward. But when it comes to legalities, mm-hmm. just ask. Yeah. 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 You're not a lawyer. You didn't do law. Just ask. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with asking. This is true. Mm. Now, you and your dad are really close, huh? Because you've, like, consistently <laughs> mentioned it. I keep telling myself, don't do that. Don't do that. But 
yes, they are very, uh, my family is very prominent mm-hmm. in, in my life and okay. in my decisions and in my thinking, in how I deal with people. They're just, mm-hmm. they've always been there. You know, they've got my back 24-7, even when I go wrong. Yeah. It's never, it's never, no, Nasasa. Yeah. We told you, we told you, we told it's it's I I have no recollection of such kind of conversations. Okay. It's uh um you know, it will start with, you know, mommy, when we talked about <laughs> it's a conversation. Right. You're not being put down even when even when you do wrong and you know you've done wrong and they can see that you know you've done wrong, it's not best to kick you when you're down. Yeah. You know, just bring the person back up and have that conversation. Mm-hmm. So there are situations where, and, and, and which is why I used to advocate for people to always, oh, you know, respect your family, take them, take them seriously, and whatever they tell you, you should do. But there are people, unfortunately, who don't come from families like that. There are mm-hmm. people who have family members who are always trying to use them and abuse them yeah. and, and put them down all the time. They're never happy for what they do. Now, I always say gauge the situation. If the Uh advice you've been given by your parents or your family members has worked for you, then you know those people are genuine. Yes. So I can't blindly sit here and tell you, you know that your parents, you must listen to your parents. Some parents don't have the best interest in Uh their hearts. Uh Um, But for me, everything that I've been advised, and trust me, I've been advised quite a number of times, um, has worked for me. Uh You know, so I, I... as old as I am, I'm able to sit down and engage and say, you know, everything that these guys have actually advised me to do or have talked to me about has turned out to be the best for me. Right. So I trust them and I trust them with everything, every fabric of my living. Mm-hmm. And how many family members are these that we're talking about? There's dad, mom, brother, sister. Okay. Oh, well, brother, me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's about it. So we're a very, we're a very close-knit family. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I can tell you, even with with building my house, yeah, it was my brother who actually told me, "Where we? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Yeah, you need to build." Oh, imagine! Okay. And and whatever monies I had, I sent everything uh-huh. to him. Wow! And he smamiyadu them jengo. Okay. And I I have been in situations where I've heard people say, "Hey, me, my brother, never, <laughs> never, never, never. I'll never see that money again." But my brother is different. Yeah. So. Um, He's actually the one who told me you must, you must set yourself in a good place so that in the future you're able to decide what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. When you're in a situation where you're still, for example, paying rent, yeah, there are certain things that you will end up having to do that you don't want to do, but you have to do them because where's the money going to come from? So yeah. you end up taking jobs that compromise on you as a person and yeah. your character, and because you have to earn the money. Yeah. So he told me set yourself up. Yeah, very early. when you're I early. Did. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that is such a useful piece of advice. I wish your brother was my brother and he would have told me this when I was in my <laughs> early 20s. <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for your time and for such an entertaining conversation. You're not telling me we're done. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a part two at we some might, point, we might. you know, in the future. But in the meantime, I want to say thank you so much for being so candid with your story and for taking the time to share it with us. You know, and we will see you all next week for another one just like this one.